Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us today in our Johannesburg studio is multi-award-winning South African actress and performer Kate Normington. Welcome. Thank you, and hello. It's such a pleasure to have you in the studio. I'm very glad to be here. I sort of, um, when you say award-winning, I, I sort of think, oh, am I? Oh, yes, okay. <laughs> so, it's always a surprise to hear that, to be reminded. Well, I think those are such, you know, these are the accomplishments that one ends up with as the rewards on the outcome of the hard work that you've invested into the career. I suppose so, but it's never it's never the focus. It's always a sort of surprise when it happens. Hey. <laughs> a welcome one. <laughs> to begin with, you've acted in such a variety of, of, of mediums and, and genres, film, TV, theatre, a string of musicals like Hairspray, Grease, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Mamma Mia. Which we're about to do again. Well, Mamma Mia. Not Mamma Mia, mm-hmm. but um, the Rocky Horror. I was in it about 20 years ago uh, with Craig Obani, who was playing Rocky at the time. Um, so 20 years later, we're both uh, doing another version of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which comes up to um, the Teatro in January. Okay, so that's the Teatro Monte Cassino in Johannesburg. Mid, Mid-January for a month's run. And are you reprising the same role that you took? No, I was Janet then. And this time um, I'm going to be playing the narrator, strangely, um, because although traditionally the narrator is sort of tweed jacket, uh, cigar, um, they've they've kind of mixed it up in London and there's a woman playing it over there. So I think they wanted to see what it would be like with a woman. So we'll see. (laughs) And with these types of runs, one of the things that I learned, you know, when you've got Broadway productions, you've got all of these, there's, there's a really a longevity component to it. Then on some of the acts, um, be it Chicago, yes. be it um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, we're seeing South African talent who took on those roles in, say, the first run of the production and then are re-entering in a, in a different in guise. A different guise because it's 20 years on, so you have to reinvent yourself and sort of stay relevant in some sort of sense. But, I mean, you can't defy your age, so you have to, um, you, you then have to kind of follow the route of um, um, decrepitude. <laughs> <laughs> when everything is avalanching around you, you have to then just accept where you're going, you know. Just quite... It, it's quite liberating on one level because you don't have to worry about, um, you know, the preoccupations that, that you once had about sort of remaining a, a type. Going through the, the different performances that you've done, when did you know that performance arts was going to be your calling? I think I I sort of, I, I'd always performed. And as a kid, my mum... Um, Moira, Moira Normington, um, Danny or Danny, um, used to do um, amateur dramatics. She'd be horrified if she heard me saying amateur dramatics. But we used to do that in Walkerville. We lived in the south of Joburg and mum was always in the pantomime. She always played the good fairy. And I 
I apparently at the age of two knew all the songs and um, they'd done Dick Whittington on this one occasion and I was one of the cats. I don't, I'd have no memory of this, but I knew all the songs and they needed a soundtrack of a baby crying and they didn't know how to do it. And mum said, you know, she, she knew what would, would work. And she took me into one of the rooms and said, you know, come, let's go do do's now. And I wailed the place down and they got their recording and then they ushered me back to join in. <laughs> so it's almost so it's in your DNA. And having gone through this journey, what would you say have been some of the milestones in your career as standout moments? Strangely enough, I, I kind of think that the, the, the difficult times, um, you know, where you are not, you know, being lauded as you imagine you should be, are probably some of the most informative times where you're kind of forced into um, being a bit more self-reflective than you might otherwise be. And I, I suppose going over to London was a huge um, watershed mark for me and I realized I, I thought I'd go over and you know I did I got a job immediately but I thought that was the way it was going to work you know and I went over my first audition you know and I got into Sunset Boulevard I was part of the ensemble and um, it was only after that that I realized what the struggle was all about and um, you know thereafter I, I really did struggle and have you know have to do extra jobs and waitress and um, but it was it was incredibly leveling. And in fact, some of the richest, most rewarding time came out of that and learning to be a bit bit more of a human being. Um, it was hugely it was a huge growth spurt for me, more because, you know, I, I hadn't gotten to where I, I thought I should, although I did work ultimately um, and did some amazing roles over there, you know, after Sunset Boulevard and um, you know, there'd been a whole uh, uh, miscommunication, and at that point, I, you know, South Africa hadn't been in, um, invited into the EU. Then Mandela was released in '94, and we could all sort of go over on our um, ancestry visas. Um, so, in a sense, I'm not a true African because my um, my ancestry is Scottish and English, but in my heart, I feel like an African, and my sentiments. Um, to get back to where I was, um, yeah, just having to be over there and and learn some lessons in life and and love, I think were more important than where I thought I should be going, you know. Um, but I think you know, in the shifting landscape, you have to you have to find out who it is you are. It's not a given. You sort of have to really re-question everything you've ever grown up with. How much more challenging is that as an actress because you are inhabiting these different identities and how does that impact on your identity once you've shed the skin? Yes, I suppose you're always left and I, I never quite believed that. I thought, oh, that's, you know, it's, a, it's taking it a bit too far. But then I realized as, as you go on and you invest so much more into these characters, you, you are you are left with a piece of them. It's a sort of, it's a, it's a sort of um, ghost in the genes of these characters, and it does inhabit you. I didn't think that happened, but it does, um, and you're left with memories of of what these people have said, 
and you know just recently we've done Into the Woods at um, um, Peter Turin's Monte Cassino Theatre and playing the part of the witch which has just been yeah. was an extraordinary gift for me I I had some wonderful lines to say and I sort of I said them as though I had <laughs> I was the one to have penned these these incredible homilies and wisdoms and she says things like you know um um, you're all liars and thieves like his father, like his son will be too. Oh, why bother? You know, I'm the witch. I'm what no one believes. I'm the witch. Um, there's, there's something else which I want to say. Um, so she says something about, um, I'm not good. I'm not nice. I'm just right. I'm the witch. You're the world. So she has this this incredible, um, you know, sort of omnipotent knowledge. You know, she's this um, oracle which is what everyone wants to be. <laughs> what a great role. <laughs> Absolutely. But then you have to let it go and you realize you're no longer you know, the witch. The witch and you're back to reality. Exactly. If only the witch could grant some wishes. Yeah. So we were talking about, for a moment, you were on Sunset Boulevard when you were in the UK. You also spoke briefly about the fact that coming into that role, you... It was it was by luck. It was a happen yes. chance. And then post that, it was more Difficult. of a struggle to, mm. to work. But when I look at some of the productions that happen in New York, whether it's Broadway or, or London, West End, these are long-going productions mm. that it almost becomes a day job. Exactly. Whereas in South Africa, we have these very short-lived runs. Yeah, because we don't have the sort of populace or the... Um, um, uh, the, the, the um, tourist market who who come here specifically to mm. see shows although it's 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 you know we are entering another era in terms of that in South Africa because Kinky Boots is on at the Fugard in Cape Town at the moment with Earl Gregory playing Lola and it's it's have you seen it I haven't it's the most amazing production um <clears throat> And so all of these overseas productions are coming over here and hopefully people like Peter Turin and um, Jakob van Rensburg and, you know, the new um, uh, uh, impresarios will, will bring more and more of them out to, to put them on Hazel Feldman, who's doing Chicago around the world. Um, but you're right, we do have these short-lived uh, productions, which is why they're taking them on the road. And Chicago is now having a... Um, I think they're going to the Far East. They've just been in Germany. They've um, so I think as the local as, as the, the local, local cast. Okay, because job security is is the piece that comes to mind here. That you you go in, you know, you've got work for a month two months. or two, three months, given the rehearsals, whatever. But then after that, that's it, and you've you've learned all of this material. Then you've got to find something else. Yeah, so it's short lived. I remember going over. 20 years ago and, and having a director in Britain saying you've done all of these roles and I don't think they could quite understand you know from a South African perspective I think they've gotten used to it now because there's so many South African performers over there you know that we we have this body of work because we have to go through and and and, and create our own work if there's nothing um, and and I think they they came to realize what that was all about because you know we don't have the runs that they do. They used to call it timeshare over there. You know, you'd you'd be in Sunset Boulevard and then you'd be cast in uh, Les Mis if you were lucky enough, and you'd just do this round robin. You know, um, but I still feel that there's a sort of mind you, there are people working over there now, but it's quite difficult to 
to get in. You know, they look after their own, which I understand, but you have to really prove yourself to to get into the fold. And no doubt about it, it it's a hard industry. And what would you say as a woman have been some of the gender challenges that you've experienced, whether that be from a pay point of view or being cast into stereotypes? Mm. I think it's perhaps easier when you get older because you you do have to go into older roles. So, you know, you have to reinvent yourself in terms of, of that age if you're lucky enough to get a job. And even now, you know, you're only as good as your last job. So it's not so much gender um, issues as much as getting the work in this country. Um, you know, they're like little nuggets when they come along, certainly after a certain age. I take nothing for granted anymore. Um, and I'm always incredibly grateful to get something. Um, but yes, if you are lucky enough, I, I missed out recently on um, a production down in Cape Town. I, I can't say what it is because there are all sorts of people involved, but I wasn't able to do it because I'm going into the Rocky Horror and it was exclusive. So I missed out on a beautiful run of of a wonderful writer and a lovely part. And it's just the lack of timing and the draw sometimes, you know. And making these decisions. Sometimes they're made for you, yeah, anyway. Um, but in terms of gender, yeah, that I was thinking about it last night and thinking gender, you know, there are, if you think about it, at, at the moment, um, Wacom Phoenix with Joker, are there such works for, for women out there and I'm, I'm thinking of the Helen Mirrens and the Nicole Kidmans um, and what they've done recently. There, there doesn't seem to me to be a disparity but I, you know you, there have been studies made and, mm. there, and there are more roles for men um, which is interesting but I think that's changing hopefully. Well I see that in, in terms of the the wave recently of, of big releases that you've got more of a, of a heroine attribute that's coming through with women in inhabiting roles which you could have just replaced the name perhaps with a guy's name so there's this what would you call it an androgynous in a mm. way of being able to have the crossover you know we need more of the um, Miriam Margolis characters um, and you know so, so that we don't have to be seen in a particular way you know we can be we can be unappealing, unprepossessing, you know, but with minds. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 interesting. But then, what viewership would you be appealing to? You know, you need. But that's the, the diversity and thinking on that term of, of viewership and and representation. So, looking at uh, the, the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media, their tagline is the actress. Gina Davis actress. So in she, so she's established this institute and. The, their payoff line is, if she can see it, she can be it. And I think that from a, a medium point of view, that you know, when you when we see women inhabiting different types of roles, there's a seed there that that's sown of even if it is a fictitious character, that this is possible. Yes, yes, it is. It is. You can hear I'm sort of, I'm reluctantly sort of agreeing to that. But there are, there are constraints, but I suppose only in your own mind, you know, mm. and if you, if you finally accept that you're able to do this, then everybody else will kind of mm. say, my, 
my goodness, you know, I didn't realize you could do that. And they'll only see that it's possible once you do it. Mm. And out of her institute, they've developed different studies. And on, on one of the studies, they um, took 5,000 speaking characters in 122 family movies and identified that only 30% of those speaking roles were female. Good grief. It'd be interesting to to see what they were. Because if I think about you know my favorite movies um recently or rec- you know most recently um you know things like little miss sunshine uh, with greg kinnear and mind you there there we go greg kinnear tony collette steve carell but the little girl um abigail i can't remember the actress's name the, the little girl who plays olive and alan arkin who plays the grandfather mind you that that show is predominantly male um, and and other ones like The Departed. You're right. They've you know male male driven. Vera Farmiga was you know the token woman. And her studies her studies not unique. There's also um, it almost started out as as a joke with a, a comic script writer whose who surname is is Bechdel, and she d- developed the the Bechdel or Bechdel Wallace test. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. Yes. So in it, it says that, uh, and it also stems from an observation that Virginia Woolf had when she said that women in fic- in fiction tend to be perceived in relation to men as opposed to mm. within their own right. So in the Bechdel Wallace sure. test, she looks at a couple of conditions. One, that in the production there has to be at least two women. Two, that they talk to each other. Yeah. And thirdly, that they talk about something else other than men. Mm. And I was going to say, I was trying to think of uh, production that does that and perhaps Big Little Lies um, I don't know if you've seen it I've, I've heard about it on Netflix probably does that to best effect and there are these five powerful women um, Reese Witherspoon I, I can't remember their characters names Nicole Kidman um, Laura Dern another young uh, actress who I, whose name I can't remember but those are the, the sort of major players and their relationships around abuse, which is quite interesting, which I suppose is um, um, talking about men, but an important issue to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose that, for me, um, is, has been the most recent powerful yeah. representation of, of women functioning um, on their own terms. Mm-hmm. And and when I consider these, these types of things, so be it a Big Little Liars or, or anything else, but media's got such an important role and, and such widespread penetration into communities and it shapes people's world's view. Uh, and to an extent, it does have a cultural representation and, and social influence. Things um, like the Me Too movement. Things, things. like the Me Too movement is, is being part of that. Um, from a local point of view, Am I Next?, all of these considerations which which have a big impact on our world. I, I wanted to ask her when you when you've got the choice of a role as opposed to, you know, the limitations that 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 we see on, on um, opportunities being available. Yes. But is that part of your decision when you take on a role on how women or how the character is portrayed and perceived? That's an interesting question. I 
I think often in this country we don't have the liberty to to make choice. Um, so you're it's kind of thrust upon you, or you you know you you are always in a position to to not accept it if it goes against the very fibre of your thinking. But often we we have to take the work. Um, but thankfully, um, you know, it's. I think, I, th I think it would would have to be. I don't know that I would ever refuse work, um, um, because it's always. I suppose performance is always about illustration and and perhaps irony and um, showing showing the world what different people are like. So you're illustrating, and if you can do it to to the best effect, you're you're. You're educating, you're educating people out there as to how people think and behave, and if you do it well, you know they're either enraged or they love you. You know they they will either love to hate you or they'll enjoy you for being a wonderful person. Does does that make sense? Yes. So your approach is about the, the art form and looking at the experiences that the role will bring and, and what it will deliver. On, on the one hand, but then on the other hand, the reality that this is. This is a paycheck. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you, you, you're shamed into a performance <laughs> because you can't not give yeah. a performance. Making the, the best of, of what you get. Mm, absolutely. You were listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective on frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band. Also available on DSTV Channel 802. Today we're talking to award-winning, multi-talented performer Kate Normington. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Now, picking up on our conversation Building into your your work and, and the areas that you did, you studied speech and drama at WITS, honing your craft. How would you say that your studies have helped contribute to your career? It's strange to, to be asked that years later, maybe 30 years later. When was I there? 84 to 87. It's horrific. A different world. I know. And the, the drama department at WITS had just started out. It was David Horner. Who'd, who'd started it off. And so it was quite a young department. And I think, um, you know, as a, as a kid, I, I don't think I'd, I'd placed enough importance on, you know, what was being taught at the time. And, you know, I was a bit of a maverick. But in retrospect, I think back on the classes, and I, I always remember Yvonne Banning. Do you remember lovely Yvonne Banning? She had one of the most beautiful voices. And she did a lot of radio back in the day when there were, you know, plays being done. And she had a voice that was like syrup. And she was our, thankfully, she was our um, voice teacher. But she was quite, um, quite strict. And of course, that went against my grain. And, um, you know, I used to sort of bulk against it. But years later, I appreciated what she taught me. And, um, you know, I think what I learned in those days was to take myself a little bit more seriously than I had and to invest a bit more, you know, not to always bat, bat things back with humor, which is what I tend to do now still, but at least I have that as a tempering. That was, that was something I learned at WITS to commit and, you know, not be a flibberty gibbet, which is my default position. So taking on that commitment and also being able to receive the wisdom of others. Yes. 
exactly and see it and be able to pick and choose and, and mm. look at different teachers, different artists and say, oh, I like that and accumulate skills as you go and you never stop, you know. Given your experience thus far from the academic side, from the work experience, what would be a few words of wisdom that you would impart if you were to either speak to your younger self or potentially to young ladies that are wanting to take up the baton to act? Oh, perseverance and not to not to um, not to be knocked off their perch too easily because there'll be a lot of that in their lives but just to keep coming back like one of those little dolls you know the little skittles or you know once you once you get a, a hit keep coming back because you never know when the next moment will be gold and as mom always used to say to me the magic is just around the corner and I'm still saying that to myself you've got to just keep going and just keep keep the faith but do everything that you can while you're waiting for the you know the next big thing maybe it's the next small thing maybe it's the next medium thing just keep the faith and it's tough it definitely and it also sounds as though it's something that you've got to continuously develop yourself to to be relevant to be able to take on those opportunities and be there when the gold presents itself around the corner keep working keep going to classes learning um, watching reading um, keep on your toes you know do the Muhammad Ali thing yes Richard <laughs> fake it till you make it and and sting like a butterfly <laughs> float like a bee one of the most difficult aspects that gender equality topics often talk about is the work life balance as well as career development as someone who's worked hard to build your career what's your view of this and do you have any successful tips on how women can manage and navigate it i don't because i don't think there's a strict formula however you get through the night that's how you get through the night and i don't know any woman out there who has everything sewn down neatly and you know can compartmentalize and i don't i don't have a large family it's my husband and i and my cat so I can't profess to understand what real women out there with three kids are going through. Um, you know, the, the real strong women of this country who've brought up children on their own and the, the, the kids who've, who've gone to school on the backs of their, their mothers. The, it's the women of this country who have held things together for, for the, the children. Um, and there are, yeah, I, I, to name a few, Grasa, Michelle, and down from there, you know, who have held their families together, Winnie Mandela. Um, and I, can't, a, I can't profess to be in that arena. And that is an elite, and I call them an elite not from a, a point of view of uh, privilege, but in terms of they are not just about looking after their own families, but they look after the families nation. of the countries and nations, the nation. nation building. Absolutely. But distilling down from them, it's the women of this country who have held their children and their families together. And yeah, I have nothing but respect for that because I don't know how they do it. It's quantum physics to me. Yeah. Um, but but I, I think again, you know, I think if you're 
if you're persevering and you know you know what your purpose is i think that can be your focus and and you can do it with as much integrity and authenticity as you you can and i can take leaves from their book and and see how they have achieved it over the years that's the best i'll i'll be able to do i think we all can <laughs> one of the questions that i ask all my guests on the show who've, who've made significant achievements in their respective uh, careers or, or fields of expertise is about some of the factors that they feel have contributed to their success. So whether it's, as you mentioned, perseverance or fear of failure or hard work, what in your opinion have been some of the key drivers for you? Family and friends and um you know, a network of community. Um, I didn't realize what that meant as a youngster. You take it for granted, but the older you get, and the more um, and the more difficult it, it is to have access to the the, the same sorts of um, privileges you did when you were younger. I think the more you start being grateful for the community around you, whether it's family, um, whether it's work community. You you start nurturing those relationships far more. I, I am learning to do that far more now than I did as a kid. You take so much for granted when you're younger until you start learning what the mechanisms are. I think some people are brought into this world and understand um, you know, the, the basic rules immediately and others like me are late bloomers. You know, you only come to it a bit later and realize that there is a, there is a, a sort of grand plan and if you can if you can kind of slot yourself in and understand it, there are so many layers to it. But yes, community, um, work, colleagues, um, there's a kind of ethics to it, isn't there? Um, where you you learn that, that communication isn't a given and that you have to nurture it yourself. And, and from then it becomes never ending, you know, if, if you're aware of it and you can have it grow out from you. I think those are all valuable points and, and some that we haven't heard on the show before. And I think that's always the beauty of the show on, on bringing on new learnings and understanding what motivates different people. Mm. Yeah. What would you say have been some of the pivotal moments in your life as you were growing up that had a big impact on you? I think um, growing up with a single mom, again, I think that's an important um, sort of identity for me is because um, I didn't realize as a kid what sacrifices she made for me. Um, I think I did on a very superficial level, but the older I got, the more astonished I became at how she'd managed to do that. And um, so I suppose I, I, I have always been mindful of, of, um, taking advantage of situations um, because they can so easily be swept away from you. And I was in a position to further my education, something that she was unable to do and something that a lot of South Africans have been unable to do. And I realize how tragic that is. So I suppose that's informed my decisions, that that has informed uh, my path. Uh, to take advantage of it because some people don't even have it to take advantage of. Um, 
you know, I've sometimes been a bit cavalier um, and, and um, you know, enjoyed the moment too much. <laughs> but I've come back, you know, uh, to a, a sort of ground zero and started again. I think that's the point. You have to start from ground zero every time. You're only as good as your, your last job, you know. Um, I mean, it's not that relentless, but you know what I'm saying. You you have to, in a, in a sense, start every day afresh. But that speaks to self-development. It speaks to regeneration and um, being appreciative of, of what you have and always looking looking for the next opportunity as, as a growth element. And, and maybe taking people with you or seeing, you know, what you can do. A friend of mine the other night sent me some recordings of music and I realized I, I don't listen to music anymore. You know, I sort of stopped. Um, you know, I grew up with, with, with the 60s influences of my sister, Led Zepp and, you know, Janis Joplin and then got into musicals. I wasn't ever particularly interested in them, but I then learned to love them and the, and the music of that. And then I realized I stopped listening to music about 10 years ago. You know, every now and then I'll hear a John Legend or an Adele that I really like. Um, but she sent me this this array of music, and I it struck me how generous that was. And I said to you, you know, Sam, you've you've reawakened this passion. That's such a generous gesture to say to somebody, "Come, listen to this." You know, don't forget that there's a world out there growing. You know, it hasn't stopped where you stopped listening. So we've we've spoken about kind of the the past we've spoken about some of the dynamics that have have fed you to your your position today and the work that you do today what's next for you what are the the forthcoming productions I I like writing and I've written I've written a couple of tomes I've I've been told that some people shouldn't write um, but I want to explore that a bit more I want to carry on performing um, obviously and music is an important part of that, but but writing, and you know whatever writing for productions or writing as as novels, novels, stories, short stories. Um, I enjoy it, um, so that's that's a little um, secret passion that will either see the light of day or not. Time will tell. But well, we'll we'll look for the nom de plume if you. <laughs> If, you, if you're reluctant to put your name to it. Exactly. And lastly, as we close out our show today, could you share a few words of inspiration that you'd like to pass on to young girls or ladies, women that are listening to us in the continent? I would say keep, keep strong, keep true to who you are, your authenticity. And was it Yves Saint-Exupéry? who said, um, from the little prince, um, Yves Saint-Exupéry was a a pilot, I think, in the Second World War. But go out and get a copy of the little prince because it is a gem of a book. And one of the lines in it says, On ne voit pas qu'avec l'accord, l'essentiel est invisible pour les yeux. Please forgive my pronunciation, but directly translated, it means you only see with the heart the essentials are invisible to the eyes. So follow your heart, follow your authenticity, and you can't go wrong. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Really appreciate that thoughtful 
consideration and, and, and the value from your stories. Thank you so much. I'm really, I'm glad I was here. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to award-winning actress, performer, Miss Kate Normington.